right to the roots podcast welcome 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 episode 13 fucking hell finally we're here <laughs> i can't believe it. it's actually got to it after a, a, another small hiatus i guess uh that's what comes with being a dan and busy work schedules um it's just nice to be back and being back in front of the uh laptop and microphone again and getting to chat to people speaking of which finally have a certain <laughs> guest on that i know i personally wanted on for some time and jason has too and it's someone who put me back in the firing line to want to be podcasting again and for that I'm ever grateful as he knows <laughs> but it's just nice to have him here and get to chat and uh, shoot the shit again and see what he's been up to so without fail let me introduce you to not just a DJ or presenter some of you know him as podcaster or author depending on which medium you use the wonderful Mr Matt Stocks hello how you doing man I'm very well, gentlemen. Very, very well. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. And uh, 13, obviously, is a number that many perceive to be unlucky. But I am willing to, you know, lean into the the good luck side of the 13 mythology. And uh, I promise you, I bring <laughs> nothing but fortune and goodwill from at least my side. So this is going to be a good time. Excellent. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I thought, actually speaking about luck... I was going to have a little bit of that uh, on the way to where I'm recording now. I suddenly got stuck in traffic and I thought, come on now. Uh, arranged so much. I thought, not today. Just let it go smooth. But everything seems to have worked out. So maybe uh, maybe we've got the fortune there today. I'm hoping. So fingers crossed. Jason, I hope your fingers are crossed. We can't see them, uh, but I'm sure they are. They are most certainly crossed. Toes too. So, you know. Um? <laughs> what, are you wearing, what are you wearing, Jay? Are you wearing? Uh, I am wearing a System of a Down t-shirt. And blue jeans, I've not got socks on, so my toes are very much in view of myself. Not got socks on. I knew you were a saucy kind of guy. <laughs> you can you hear, hear it, it from my dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, not that this matters to anybody listening, but I've got socks and flip-flops, which is my hey. my go-to comfort wear at home. Uh, I would never step out of the house in the, you know, the blasphemous socks and, and sandals combo, but when I'm at home... Because I don't, I don't wear slippers. Maybe I should just buy slippers, and then that would be exactly what I'm doing, but more conventional. But I just like the socks and sandals approach to home life. So there's some insights into me that no, <laughs> nobody ever knew before this exact moment right here. That's oh, exclusive. We've got the inside scoop right there. The Adidas flats. <laughs> good, good eye, good yeah. eye, my friend. Good eye. <laughs> what, what a style icon! That's all I can say. And I'm loving the hat, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to have to um, take it off because obviously I can't put the headphones on over it, but then mm. I'm having one of those days. So I, I've, for the first time, again, this is an exclusive, I've Oof. turned the cans upside down. Um, and it's actually kind of nice because it rests on your neck. Uh, you know, it does the same job. I can still hear. So, yeah. Um, and, and then the hat stays. So, I mean, what a time to be alive, eh? <laughs> Socks and sandals, upside down headphones, trilby hats. <laughs> It's all going um, on. It's, it's honestly what I get up for in the morning. I woke yeah. up today and thought, what am I going to do on my day off? And the moment you showed us those, those socks and sandals combos and that hats, I thought, I'm fucking sorted. This is it. This is <laughs> it for You'll me. You'll never look at life the same way ever again, Dan. I feel like this, I, I'm, I am now feeling life in the stocks. This is it. <laughs> life off, life off this the is what stocks. it means. This is what it means. This is what it's all about. I finally get it now. Speaking of which, uh, Life in the Stocks as well, thank you uh, for getting the book sent out. I'm looking forward to reading that. Very, very much looking forward to reading it. Thank you for buying a copy, mate. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, um, it's been going really well. And it's been nice because the first book came out in 2020 when we were all still very much kind of indoors. Um, so I didn't get to do any kind of in-person launch events. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get to, you know, kind of have in-person conversations with anyone about their thoughts and, and feelings towards the book. So when it came time to releasing this next one, Volume yeah. 2, which just came out uh, about three weeks ago as we speak now, um, I really wanted to do as much of that as possible. So I did the in-person physical launch events 
the mm-hmm. the week I got back from the kind of flogging Molly Cruz Stoke the Fire live event in New York. As soon as I came back from that, I did um, a show or a party in London, in Birmingham, and in Bristol, which I guess are kind of my three home areas, if you will. They're the three places I know the most people. And then since then, because I had a bunch left over, because obviously you don't know how many people are going to come or how many yeah. you're going to sell. So I was like, I'll ask for more than I'm going to need rather than run out um, at the parties. So I've got a box. There's probably about 30 or so still left. So um, as you've seen, I've just been kind of flogging them on Instagram. And what's been really cool about that is every copy that I've sold has obviously been directly to the person because they've just been DMing me. And so, I mean, I already knew you because you'd done Stoke the Fire with me and Jesse, but a lot of the people who were reaching out to me are people who follow me and stuff, but I'd never had any form of exchange with them before this moment. And so it was really cool getting to just know the people that listen to my show and want to read the book and, you know, just engage and connect with them on a way that is real and it's direct and it's not just them going to Amazon and, you know, supporting me, but I don't even know that they've perhaps done that because I know that not everybody, because I don't, you know, message everybody that I buy a book or an album off and go, hey, I love the book or I love the album because otherwise all we do is reach out to people that we buy products from and that might seem like a strange way to live your life so (laughs) it's been really cool just talking to all these people that you know some people have said they've been listening to my show since day one which is nearly six years ago and i would never had any form of you know line of communication with them before now so it's been awesome so yeah if any of your listeners want to hit me up direct for a book um i would love love to hear from you and i do respond to all dms as long as they're not weird and we do get weird ones from time to time, but uh, they just they stay there in the quote-unquote unread section, and we move on with our lives. But for the large part, um, everybody's been really cordial and courteous and uh, cool. Have you ever had a um, one of them weird DMs that you felt the need you've got to share? Like not necessarily with mm. social media, but you've like passed around to your mates. Like, look at this fucking mm. uh, look at yeah. what I received today. <laughs> this is the greatest DM I've ever received, um, and this wasn't so much like a DM because of who I am as a podcaster. This mm-hmm. this came through a DJ gig that I'd done. So I DJed a friend's wedding, right? Mm. Um, and it was a very respectful kind of cocktail bar. It wasn't, you know, a kind of a reception which is out at a hall somewhere. This was just in a bar in London, but they'd hired it out for the night. And it was, you know, it was quite upper class. It seemed like it was a classy joint. And I invited my friend down and he was kind of keeping me company, which I don't usually do because this was like a bar in the city. I thought this, you know, this can fly here. So my friend came down and we were just getting drunk and having fun. And we ended up staying at the bar after all of the um, wedding guests had all gone. Right. Um, you know, it finished quite early. It finished around midnight. And so the, the bride and groom had said goodbye to all their guests. Then they'd gone, and it was just me and my friend left with a few of the bartenders. And this guy was like, I loved your DJ set. I'd like you to come and do like a private party for me. I work right. at various venues across London. Can I get you, your email? And I was like, yeah, yeah, here's my – and I'm always – Whenever I'm doing business with anyone, it usually, for me, would preferably go through the channel of, of email. You know, that's yeah. why whenever I'm trying to set any, anything up, my email is in my Instagram link, and I'd sooner people email me through that than did DM me um, when it comes to, like, booking me for events and stuff like yeah. that because the DMs otherwise, you know, gets lost in the ether. So I'm saying to this guy, send me an email, and, and we'll make it happen. And he's like, but what's your Instagram? And I was like, well, it's Matt Stocks DJ, the same as the, the email. <laughs> but get me through email. So he sends me a DM. So already I'm like, oh man, this guy's kind of done the exact opposite of what I asked him to do. And he starts, long story short, I don't want to drag this out for too long because there's obviously a lot of ground that I'm sure you want to cover, but he starts trying to book me for a nudist, like a naturist (laughs) swingers show. Oh God. Um, And, but then there's all these caveats. Like, so I'm up for it. I was in a relationship at the time. So I was like, I'm going to have to run this past my missus, yeah. but I'm up for it just because I always like weird experiences. I'm yeah, down, yeah. Down Fuck it, right? You know, Make a good story to tell <laughs> yeah. on a podcast someday. This is the first time I've told this, another exclusive. So hey. <laughs> I go, yeah, I'm up for it. I'll do it. And then he goes, there's a couple of rules. Like, obviously, you can't have um, your phone out. You can't take pictures. And I was like, well, that's absolutely fine. Then he's like, you've got to be naked too. <laughs> and then I was like, well... 
I mean, I kind of have to draw the line there. I, I'm up for doing, say, like skimpily clad. Like yeah. I'll do just just like swim shorts or something. But I'm not DJ naked. Like that's your guy's thing. If you want to get naked, then fair enough. But you're hiring me as a DJ. Um, and then he's like, "What's your fee?" And I was like, "Well, this is you know pretty raving gig, so I'll like double what my usual fee yeah, is." Yeah, damn right. Um, and then he basically starts trying to pitch to me the idea of being like an escort and it turns out basically this is an all-female like naked party um they're just all going to be women they're all going to be naked and then he's like and i actually probably don't even need you to play music (laughs) can you you just turn up and like have sex with all the girls (laughs) and so (laughs) i'm just like how how have you looked at me who's a wedding dj at this venue where you tend bar, how have you seen me and thought that guy looks like a male gigolo? Uh-huh. And I reckon with the right persuasion, I can get him interested in this very once in a lifetime opportunity. And it just <laughs> went on and on and on and on. It was the funniest, weirdest exchange. In the end, my missus at the time shut it down. She was like, "There's no way you yeah, don't there. blame her." <laughs> um, but I just really wish that I would have gone with like you know a leaf over my dick, a USB stick <laughs> around my neck, just ready to DJ and seeing how the evening would have panned out. But yeah, I went from playing a friend's wedding to being offered, um, well, pimped out essentially. Like, do you want to just whore yourself <laughs> to come, all of these? Come and drill all these women in front of me, naked, right. horny mums. Yeah, so okay, that's now. an insight into life in the stocks. <laughs> my my question there is did. <laughs> Did the missus get an invite to this crazy soiree? No, it was very much, very much a solo invitation. Oh. <laughs> they just wanted me. There's something about me this guy liked. I think he was a, um, you know, a homosexual, and I think he just fancied me and, um, and wanted to get me to this place. For all I knew, they could have all been dudes waiting to drill me. They you know, it could have probably were all dudes. Could have been a life in the cocks, yeah. It, it could yeah, have life been. in the cocks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, uh, that's that's the strangest DM I've d- well series of DMs that I've definitely ever ever encountered. Did, did it end in you blocking the fella, or is it possible no. that he might try and slip in there one day again and be like, he, hey? He may well try and slip in again someday. Bring, bring um, Jesse Leach with you. <laughs> I, I, I never, um, I never blocked him because he didn't ever get you know offensive or aggressive. Yeah, it, it was weird, but not like didn't. I guess it kind of didn't overstep boundaries. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's my boundaries are loose. Not, my boundaries yeah. are loose. I think if you had more more morals than me, <laughs> you'd have been outraged and offended and angered by this guy. But because I was just interested to see where the conversation would end, yeah. I just kept you know allowing it. And uh, it kind of ended with me just going, yeah, I'm out, dude. I'm out. <laughs> and then I didn't hear from him. I think, if anything, he probably blocked me because he probably had you know given everything and then got on the fear that, like, I was going to go and, you know, because I know exactly where this guy works. I could have just gone to oh, the yeah. bar and been like, you know, your bar manager's been trying to get me to be a pimp. <laughs> well, no, sorry, he's been trying to pimp me out to be a hoe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, that's that. Oh, well, that, we got what we needed. Thank you very much. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on, gents. <laughs> See you again. Oh, Book's God. out now. Cheers. Book's out. Oh, my God. That's an odd situation to be in. I mean, to be fair, you must get fucking thousands of DMs, all sorts of requests and all sorts of things anyway, because of the, not only the career choices you've made, obviously there's a plethora of things. But the life choices. And the life choices. (laughs) And the life choices. (laughs) But uh, I'm glad you could share that with us, man. uh, That's tickled me. That really has. That really has. Yeah, man. You never know what you're going to get in this line of work. You never know what you're going to get, which is why I do it, to be honest. Uh, I think the idea of... Being in a um, kind of just a routine of any kind for me is not in any way um, appealing at all. Uh, I'm not knocking anybody who lives their life that way. Everybody, what you know, has to do what's right for them by them. Exactly. But but for me, um, I love the unpredictable nature of what I do and how you know some weeks you'll be going well. There's nothing on the horizon next month. I don't know how I'm gonna make it through that and then from out of nowhere this amazing thing comes and lands on your desk and you go oh my god yeah let's have a bit of that and that uncertainty for me is what kind of spurs me on and keeps me inspired and keeps me interested but it's not for everybody i know a lot of people who were forced to go let's say freelance shall we uh through the pandemic period and just Mm. couldn't handle the freelance life couldn't handle the notion that there wasn't going to be a guaranteed check 
in yeah. their bank at the end of that month. Because, and I get it, you know, if you have a partner and a child and a mortgage and you have actual real life responsibilities, then you do know, uh, so you do need to know that those are going to be paid for. Yeah. But because I have the luxury of not having any of those things, I don't, you know, all I have to worry about is me. And I know I can take care of me come rain or shine. So everything else is kind of just a, uh, a fly by the seat of your pants kind of freestyle cavalier approach, which uh, for now still at least suits me. But we'll see. I'm getting near a 40 every day. And I do wonder, do I want to be the guy that's like, you know, on tour trying to make a living as a rock and roll DJ when I'm in my mid 40s or even, God forbid, 50s? Because there's something perhaps a little tragic about that. So I'm just hoping that I can make enough money in the next few years to perhaps, you know, segue into another more um, certain zone. But what that would be, I don't know, because what is certain in this game of, exactly. of entertainment and music and indeed anything anymore. Um, so, yeah, just follow your heart. And uh, as long as you're happy, keep doing what you're doing would be the only kind of advice that I would share from everything I've learned in my life is go where the joy is. There you go. Well, what a cathartic thing to say. At least, you know, if it all goes tits up, though, you can go back and hit that guy up and go, right, yeah, tri- still tri- there. triple the fee. Yeah. I'll do what you want, you know. Yeah. At least you've yeah, got but that. Basically, I'm going to be a gigolo. I'm going to be a middle-aged gigolo, and um, there's worse things to be, I guess. <laughs> Sex work is work too, as they say. And um, yeah, I actually know a friend who did it for a while, not the sex work side, but the escort mm. side. So he yeah. would be he would be a date for kind of older, let's say, wealthy women who you know would want to go to business and corporate occasions with a good-looking gentleman on their arm and they would just pay for the pleasure of the person's company and it was strictly that uh, obviously some places the service is more 360 degree let's say but um yeah i mean i think there's something kind of cool about that because again every night would be different wouldn't it you have no idea what you're being thrown into um you know you're always going to be guaranteed kind of a a surprising night um so yeah i mean i'm just now convincing myself on a podcast that i'm gonna be <laughs> a gigolo when the djing dries out so yeah th- thanks thanks for this twist of events guys <laughs> hey look you, you, ne- you never know what, what you're gonna do or where you're gonna end up i mean you know look at myself i went from sort of having nothing in the end to suddenly having a family and was thrown into a position i never thought i'd be in all of a sudden, I'm sort of going through different levels of work. I'm a, I'm a watch repairer, as it stands, which is something I never thought would be. But I often sit back and think, well, if I, you know, if I weren't a watch repairer or I didn't have a child or I wasn't in a relationship, where would I be? What work would I be doing? What would I cast myself into? I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm game for most things and and to sort of try and be a dab hand at certain things, you know. But I often wonder what what is it I would be doing. I mean, what about yourself, Jason? What, you know do you ever see yourself in a certain position or something you're aiming for um I mean obviously when I was younger um I I kind of wanted to be in the media field you know I I studied media at college so on and so forth um but I realized that that you know as much as I enjoyed creating things you know creating short films with friends this that any other trying to trying to be the funny man I, I kind of realized that I wasn't very good you know i had all these ideas but i wasn't amazingly good at actually translating them into a final product um so at the moment i you know as you know i'm kind of in between things i'm still trying to figure myself out and um like as matt was just saying you know you never really know where your next venture is going to be where your Mm -hmm. next uh opportunity is going to be and i'm just kind of taking it as it comes and um still trying to find my feet i guess and um that's why I'm enjoying obviously doing this podcast with you. You know, it's, it's nice just to, to have someone different on every, every week or whenever, you know, when obviously we've took, taken some time off and some episodes we do by ourselves, but it's nice just to, to talk to people from all walks of life, you know, like right now, you know, we've got Matt on, we've had um, all sorts of people on, you know, you were speaking to Michael Emmett, you know, who's mm. a former drug trafficker. You know, yeah. and and obviously I missed out on that episode. I had family issues and stuff, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm 
I'm still kind of trying to find myself. And I guess the more that we do this, the more we speak to people from all sorts of various backgrounds and stuff, the more kind of open to things I'm going to become, you know, um, as I've explained before in previous episodes, I'm not exactly the most outgoing person. I'm more introverted than extroverted. And I believe that this experience on the podcast is going to help me develop into a better version of myself, more open, more uh expressive more willing to try the unknown and you know better myself and move towards you know an actual career or something but at the moment I am a bit in limbo you know and it's a bit crappy but you know oh well I'll get through it well thank you for being in in this you know whatever the situation is with me man I appreciate it <laughs> and like you said it's nice to get people on like that who've been gracious with their time to come on yeah absolutely you know, as, as I said to you, Matt, when when I got the invite for Stoke the Fire, I was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, because I've been interested in podcasting before, but left it all behind and thought, oh, no, I'm never going to sort of amount to anything with that. And then to come back on and speak to yourself and Jesse really, uh, you know, really touched me. And to watch the video back as well and to see such a change in myself, talking about a variety of topics, um, especially with yourself as well, Um I thought, oh man, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying this so much. I, I need to be doing this again, and it, it really sort of spurred me on to come to come full circle again and come back to this. And we're loving it, man. And I have you to thank for it, really. You know. Well, that's very very kind of you to say, and very cool to hear. And um, yeah, I think what Jay just said then about um, not believing that you're good enough to do something. There's there's two ways of looking at that. One is you can go fuck everyone i'll just do what makes me happy um which is very important but there's also something to be said for just acknowledging when you aren't that good at something Mm -hmm. you know because people talk a lot about this term imposter syndrome and i hate that word i'm like if you're there you've earned the right to be there and you you know have every right as much as everybody else you're as good as anybody else if you're in that room you've earned your place at that table but you can just suck at something. And I think it's good <laughs> and cool to admit to yourself that perhaps this isn't for you. I think there's a very um, wise man that's able to do that, you know, that's able to just say to themselves, I'm not actually that good at this. So I'm going <laughs> to hang that coat up and leave it to somebody who, you know, does it better. Uh, I respect that massively because I think there's a lot of people out there that <laughs> could do with a little more of that level of self-awareness. But then yeah. at the same time, the other way of looking at it is you just go, well, there's no point in starting anything um, unless it is you know, purely to pay your bills. And like yeah. success is a term that you'll see when you pick up the new book, Dan. There's, there's a chapter in the first book that I did called Success. And then I tweaked that chapter title somewhat for the new book and I called it The Pursuit of Happiness instead because for me happiness and success are these two things that i'm always chasing and i'm interested in the interrelation between the two of them and success for me drives certain things that i do because i literally at this stage just want to crush and destroy and like earn money and get paid and like you know receive reward for my skills that i've spent a decade or more acquiring and developing but then there's the other side that's like I'm not doing it just for the money. I'm doing it because it enriches me. And so there's a very strange interplay that exists between those two words. And um, I think, honestly, the best thing that you can do is just pay your bills by any way you can. And then with the rest of your time, do the things that make you happy in your life and make the people around you happy. I've never had that distinction because I've never had a job and I've actively always been somebody that gets paid to do what I love. And they say, well, you never work a day in your life if that's the case. And that isn't the case. The case is you work every second of every day of your life. Yeah. But you just are so invested in it and committed to it and, you know, connected with it that there's no separation that can ever occur because you've just done it for too long now. And that's kind of where I am. So the work that I love also is the source of, you know, great sadness and despair and despondency. And, and that's a strange you know, line to walk as well. So I would say to anybody, if you just have passions like a podcast or whatever it is, a sport or cooking, or just do that with your spare time, get paid some other way, do the fucking just job, get, and you know, that goes against everything I've spent my whole life avoiding, I guess. But I just think it's cool to keep things like this pure. And the minute money's introduced and the minute you're trying to get paid for it, it's no longer pure and your enjoyment of it is diluted and it is tainted. Um, so yeah, 
And that will never resolve itself within me, I don't think, because, as I said, I'm doing what I love for a living. So I can never escape the living element from the loving. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense, yeah. That does make perfect sense. I wanted to ask you, actually, just to sort of segue into your, your working career. When was it you sort of knew you wanted to go into podcasting? I mean, I imagine you're, you're a fan of them anyway. Um, I can tell you exactly it was when I lost my job on radio TV (laughs) the website I worked for it was literally I I say it in the introduction to my first book the sole reason I went into podcasting is because I saw every other medium failing I saw radio failing I saw TV failing I saw the online kind of music publications that I was writing for failing and podcasting was this new thing and it was a way of taking control of your life and doing what I wanted to do which was just interview people and connect with people um, on my own terms so it was solely just that it was me looking around at the failure of Kerrang Radio and Cusco's TV and Metal Hammer and all of these publications and stations <clears throat> going under and you know losing money and getting rid of their staff so I thought well fuck it I keep losing work from no fault of my own and from out of nowhere and it kept like ruining my life because I'd be like you know in a steady relationship with a steady paycheck and then all of a sudden bang the yeah. rug's gone and oh my god what do i do now and that happened to me like five times in three years i think it was and it got too much so i was like i'm gonna just go it alone it's gonna take way longer to get it to a level where it's monetized and it's making me money and if i'm being completely honest nearly six years in it still isn't which is why i do so much stuff you know people are always like god you do so much and it's like well if podcasting on its own paid my bills i would not even bother djing like I wouldn't do it, you know, it's fun and it's awesome, whatever, but I'd sooner be living a life and, you know, perhaps like cultivating friendships and having experiences that are personal and not quote unquote professional, um, you know, and that's not to be ungrateful for the amazing opportunities of going on tour with bands like Bowling for Soup and all the bands that I have toured with, like those experiences and adventures are all things that I cherish and will forever be thankful for. But again, it's like that age thing, it's a young man's game. And because I'm constantly juggling so many things to try and chase that paper, um, you know, you, you're left with very little time for your own personal life. And not that marriage and kids and mortgages and all that is the be all and end all, but it does trip you out when you're going through your 30s and you see everybody around you doing that. And then they're going on holidays as couples and, you know, they're, they're, you're getting invited to stuff, but then you miss it because of money or financial you know, reasons or just you know professional commitments i've got a festival that weekend or whatever it is and then after a while the invites stop and and your friends have moved on and you're left behind and you are literally just like ah so then and what's been cool for me is in recent years you know i have actually formed genuine friendships with people that i've encountered through work quote unquote you know and that's always a strange territory because you never want to chase those friendships because you know they're not sincere to begin with they're just you know it's a transactional thing where you interview someone the interview goes well and you think oh maybe you know we're going to be best friends but it doesn't really happen like that like you know it's kind of a staged environment when you share this one connection and then then real life is reintroduced and it's only after years and years and years and years and years of, of repeating that process and experiment that then a genuine personal connection does emerge. Um, and I do think with the pandemic time, a lot of the musicians that I knew were down and, and kind of just like in and at home. So they weren't as busy as they'd usually be. And then that's when a lot of these beautiful friendships, the one with Jesse is the most obvious one, but there's mm-hmm. been, there's been many that have emerged in the last couple of years where now I'm no longer like the interview guy. I'm like their peer. Um, and we have a solid relationship that's built on mutual respect and trust and love. And, and that's been cool, but I don't know if that would have happened if they were out touring as they usually would be. Yeah. Um, and, and then, so you are just like left. It's all, this is all like the stuff that nobody thinks about or knows about in regards to the music industry. And a friend of mine, I haven't read the book yet cause I've been, you know, pushing mine, but a friend of mine, Ian Winwood, who's a writer for Kerrang. Uh, he just brought out a book called Bodies, and it's about the music industry, and it's about drugs and addiction and mental health. And it's a subject that everybody is aware that, you know, within the entertainment industry, there's a certain level of debauchery and destructive behavior that goes on. But there's also just real-life casualties that come from this trade and this industry that take their toll um, on your soul, your psyche, your mind, your heart, and, like, 
you ha- you've got to be really resilient and really strong um, to get through it. And a lot of people, do, you know, they do just tap out. They're like, it's not fucking worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, rock and roll is a cruel mistress. And um, yeah, it's it's not for the faint hearted. But then again, you know, I say this again, not to keep plugging the book, but I'm talk- I, t- I talk about this in one of the chapter introductions. And I say, well, if it's so bad, I can hear you say, well, why don't you just quit? And the thing is, is like, I'm too stubborn to quit. And yeah. I've given too much of my life at this stage to quit. So for me, I will die in a coffin or however I go out before I quit. Because um, that's just the kind of stubborn bastard that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, isn't necessarily words to live by, but we are who we are, right? And I think exactly. sometimes you got to embrace and accept and dare I say it, celebrate who you are. Um, and that's taken me a while to get to that stage as well. But I know beyond any shadow of a doubt who I am now. Uh, and there was a long period of time where I was not okay with who I was. But now uh, I am. And I don't need anybody else's validation to make me feel good in myself or proud of myself. I'm enough for me. I know that I'm where I want to be, who I want to be. Um, and yeah, you're either with me, in which case amazing, or if you ain't, get the fuck out of my way. Uh, and that's really where I'm at now. Uh, I'm very, fucking right. It's very much just... You're either on my side and I'm on yours, or if you ain't, that's fine, but just, you know, don't stand so close. Yeah. (laughs) Some uh, some nice words of wisdom from you there. It's nice to hear you speak so candidly, especially since I was on the other side, you know, having the questions from yourself and Jesse, it's nice to hear your own personal side of things and, 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 you know, how you feel about life in general and everything else going on around you. It's, it's, it's fucking mental. (laughs) of it's fucking mental every day is different it's nice to hear um well that's that is the other that is the other thing dan is this is all a complete uh dream and a game and it is silly like you know not when you when you're a parent i think everything changes but even then you have to be able to zoom out and go god bless my kid i love him but in a hundred years nobody is going to give a shit about my kid you know and like in 200 years my whole family and generation is going to be completely forgotten it's all meaningless and it really is. And that's not like a destructive kind of like, let's see the world burn. No, no, no. Let's take care of everybody whilst we're here. But it just means don't get bogged down in these petty things that you think are important because, you know, in a thousand years, this will all be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. All of it, you know, and, and none of anything will, will matter at all. And so if you can't enjoy it, pardon me. And when you do get into like the kind of dark thoughts that we sometimes do, as we spoke about when you're on our show, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to get yourself out of that headspace. But a good practice for me has literally just been laughing at the absurdity of life and like realizing that it is so utterly meaningless. It like <laughs> everything matters, but at the same time, none of it does. Yeah. Um, and you really just cannot get weighed down in other people's, other people's opinions of you either as well, because they're not going to write your history. They might control the narrative in certain circles around you. And when you put yourself on a public platform, everybody wants to come after you and criticize you and judge you. And the bigger you get, the more you get that. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm at a really cool level where I don't get trolls and I don't really get people like berating me or attacking me on the internet because the only people who know of me know of me for like a very specific style of work. And I think because I'm so candid, as you just said, and open and honest, they see me for who I am. So it's quite hard to come after me because I'm just like, here's everything. Like, you know, there's, there's no shadows or skeletons. This is just, this is me. And you can think I'm an asshole, but like, that's about as far as the criticism can go. Um, And so I just think you got to be yourself and live a true life uh, and not worry about what people around you are going to think about you know what you do as long as you're an honorable person in your heart and you know you are and you act in that way then fuck everybody else and just live your life and do right by the people who you love yeah i stopped there i was so engrossed in just listening to what you were saying i like i like to get into it when i start down i I like to get you know wound up and revved up and just go and and that's the, the funny thing is when i'm on this side uh, I'm such a different person. I'm still me, but like when I'm leading the conversation, I'm obviously a lot more, you know, kind of thoughtful and yeah. I'm, I'm trying to steer it in certain ways. So I'm being restrained and I'm being kind of tactical. But when I'm this side, I'm just like, blah, mind spaghetti. You <laughs> want it, you've got it. And uh, I like doing this side of it because then 
and I just get to like vent, but hopefully in a way that is articulate and intelligent and not just, you know, the ramblings of a madman. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 um, that takes me back. Um, just touching on what you said, um, obviously you developed <laughs> that uh, genuine friendship with Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he was originally episode five of your podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Good knowledge. And then episode you had him- five. And then you had him back uh, for the live Q&A that you did. Mm-hmm. And I know that that episode that was released, it was released on um, World Mental Health Day. Mm-hmm. And um, God, he's done his uh, homework, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it made me think, um, because obviously I remember Dan's episode of um, Stoke the Fire that came out uh, was released on World Mental Health Week. So I went back and checked what what date his was actually released. And it was... was um, Three years and one week after the you, the live episode you put out with Jesse, obviously I know that episode was recorded before the the day you put it out. Um, but yeah, just to touch on that, um, obviously he came on during the pandemic and he had that idea to come on and be the interviewer himself and interview you. And obviously you're saying there you like being on the other side. Obviously you enjoy being the interviewer. But to be the interviewee and um, to be able to open up, did you find that that was the episode in which that recording with Jesse was that when you decided, hey, look, we've, we're onto something here. There's a good uh, a good bond between the two of you, clicking, blah blah blah. Or was it something that happened previous to that? It was that kind of around that time when you decided that perhaps Stoke the Fire could be something that you could look into together, or. Yeah, I, th- um, I think if I'm completely honest, it began that night in Birmingham when we did the live Q&A. We just didn't know it then. Yeah. Um, I 100% feel like that was when it began. There was just something magic that clicked between the pair of us on stage that night. And, you know, there was only 100 or so people in the room. But if you were there, you saw it. You saw that awakening. In yeah. The pair, in the, a mutual awakening in the pair of us take place. Um, and it was electric. It was, you know, I'd just done a, a week run with Keith Buckley and um and that was amazing and really profound but there wasn't that same level of a personal boom yeah. like absolute undying connection that was forged on that stage in that one particular conversation like me and Keith will be friends forever but there was just something so unexplainable and and magical that took place between me and Jesse that I knew then we'd be friends forever and um he was the person who suggested interviewing me because obviously i would never go to him and go hey do you want to interview me for (laughs) my show (laughs) so so he suggested that but even when we're doing that because he was interviewing me and stoke the fire is very much as much as we tried it like there's been a couple of occasions where i've interviewed jesse as it were but i've been very um vocal since day one with stoke the fire about like he needs to participate and he because he's so used to being interviewed yeah um you know there's certain times and i'm not telling him anything he doesn't already know when i say this but there's been a couple of interviews early on when he would kind of sit there and like not contribute as much as i wanted him to because i know he's really thoughtful and would ask amazing questions and he'd always react so i'd ask them something they'd say something and then he would respond off the back of that but then he wouldn't follow it with a question and i've been really active with trying to like encourage him to ask questions as well so then it's a dialogue and it's a conversation because there's nothing worse than when somebody asks something somebody gives an amazing answer if there's a third person maybe they jump off the back of it and say something and then everybody just stops and there's like and it's not an awkward silence but it's just like you can tell it's when all three of them or two that are hosting at that point go okay so what should we (laughs) i can and that and then it's an interview and that's fine but then then it's still an interview and i always with stoke the fire just with stoke the fire i always want it to be fluid and i always want it to just be a conversation that is just you know unending um and so i'd say it began with the live thing and then you know it was spurred from from him interviewing me for my show and originally it was actually going to be with keith as well the original idea that i i had was the three of us would just host it there would be no guests it would just be us three every week um and i didn't know it at the time but 
Keith was obviously going through a band breakup and a divorce and all this crazy stuff. I just thought right, he was really yeah. dis- disorganized. So yeah. in the end, I said to him, hey, dude, me and Jesse, he was up for it. He wanted to do it, but he just, you know, he couldn't commit. So I said, hey, if it's cool with you, me and Jesse are going to push forward with this and, you know, we'll have you on as the first guest and we'll have you back whenever you want, but we're just going to go ahead and do it, just us two. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. and I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it did just go ahead, just me and Jesse, because I think it's become, it's become what it has because of that. I think it would have been something, it would have been really cool and really good if it had been the three of us. It would have been amazing. But what it's become, I think, is only because of the the friendship, the deep, deep, deep friendship that me and Jesse share. I think yeah. that's the foundation of the show. And like anybody else that's on is an added bonus. And then, you know, we go into all these other amazing people's stories but even the episodes that we just do me and him i think are some of our best sometimes and um yeah the core of that show is just all about the friendship that we share yeah so i feel like um with our podcast mine and dan's um i feel like i kind of maybe have that uh jesse's approach early on i guess uh, i kind of feel like dan kind of steers the show a bit more and as you said i'm kind of the one that kind of jumps on to the 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 afterthought of when the question is already answered um but i feel Which, like don't get me wrong is is valid is completely yes. valid and, um, and he always spits wisdom when he does react absolutely. in that way um, as you have been today but i also i think it's cool to have everybody because then it's even sometimes the guests are like a couple of the times you've had on guests who've then thrown the question back to jesse you know yes. especially when we get fellow singers on and they're like what do you what about you jesse and then it becomes something really magical that you know, so few other shows are doing when each person is provoking, you yeah. know, talk, talking points, then you're fucking, you're off to the races then. And it's like, good luck <laughs> yeah, no, I, with this motherfuckers. <laughs> I think it's something that personally I'm growing into. And I imagine the same is with Jesse, you know, we're always learning. We're always improving ourselves. We're always becoming more comfortable with, with the things that we do. And as you said, he's more used to, well was more used to being the one being interviewed and um, obviously I'm not <laughs> but um, I feel like I'm growing as uh, to be more of an equal host with Dan and be able to ask the provoking questions and like you said you know keep a three-way dialogue and the same goes I mean obviously not a singer asking another singer how what they think of this but um, in previous podcasts we've recorded we've had um, like with Annabelle Aratney of Cradle of Phil for example she was asking Dan and and I uh, myself um questions as well and it, it kind of became like that our podcast with her it wasn't an interview it just felt like three friends chatting for an hour or so you know um, kind of like this one you know this this it kind of feels more like just you know, a kind of an open dialogue obviously it is kind of an interview format but um yeah no I just I kind of relate to that that's probably the only way in which I can relate to Jesse Leach but that sort of being alongside a, a natural host, you know, obviously you've been hosting interview formats, podcasts for for a number of years, as you said, 10 years plus experience. Um, and I think Dan uh, just naturally with his uh, charisma and his uh, ability to just approach anybody like that, you know, to Dan, anybody's just another human being, you know, and um, well, he's, he's I think correct. We all well, shit exactly, sleep. exactly. Um, but that's it's one of them barriers that Dan's never he's never put anyone on a pedestal, and I'm aware of this through the the number of years that I've known Dan, um, and and that that helps. It makes him that kind of natural, easygoing host where he'll just talk to someone like there's someone that he's met in the pub, you know, mm. and and that's it helps, right. and it, it's it's allowed me to, as I said earlier, it, it's allowed me to become more comfortable and feel like I'm kind of growing out of my shell a little bit more and become more extroverted and more willing to, to kind of take on aspects of how he is in my own personal life. I've kind of lost myself a bit there, but yeah. No, 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 you you completely (laughs) make sense. And also you've got the advantage of being, mysterious right yes. here so <laughs> when you were talking then i just because i don't like just looking at like a computer screen I'll i could fucking, put a picture up so so i'm just kind of like i'm just intently listening uh yeah. and as, as a conversationalist um you know you might look like you're nervous right now because i can't see you but as a conversationalist you have complete command and authority of what you're you know trying to get across so it's and obviously you- working the evolution has been successful Hey, you've, uh, do you know what? I honestly think Jason's 
grown in in some respect as as a conversationalist anyway like he said normally the dynamic between us is that i naturally lead or i'll ask open open questions to anybody like i've known him for 10 years it doesn't bother me um and i hope that came off that way when we were doing stoke the fire you know i was as natural as could be you got all of me 100 percent of how i am all the time um but like today i've taken a little step back and just wanted to give jason that freedom <laughs> a bit more rather than me just taking the lead all the time. And it's nice to just to hear the dialogue between you two as if I'm a fly on the wall. It's, it's fantastic. Well, he could, he could literally be a fly on the wall. I don't know. Spoiler alert. I haven't, I haven't seen. He is. He, he is, <laughs> he is the greatest the fly I have ever encountered. <laughs> I mean, I did say I'm barefooted. You know, my, <laughs> my little claws are hooked You're wild right man. Yeah. He's just a wild man. Just, but, a heads, just a heads up, fellas. I'm going to have to shoot if that's cool in about 10 minutes, Matt. Absolutely right. no problem, man. Absolutely, absolutely no problem. Just speaking on um, the, the sort of friendship you, you built with Jesse Leach, what I really loved about Stoke the Fire, not only listen to the episodes prior to the one that um, you graciously had me on, it sounded as though not only was it two friends talking, but you've been doing it for years. There were no, like you said, not, not awkward pauses or, or, or any, um, you know, leadership, like one person hosting like yourself just always asks the questions. There's a real dynamic between you two and, and it, it felt like a really genuine bond because I wondered, well, what was Jesse going to be like when I get to chat to him? Because I knew, I, you know, I've known of your work and I've heard you, I've heard you talk over various um, platforms and I thought, well, Jesse's been knocked off this pedestal during COVID and isn't, isn't just front man anymore. Mm. He, he's he's been leveled somewhat in the nicest respect so I, had, I wondered how that made him feel and then him having to almost be on a level playing field with whoever he gets to talk to sort of bring that humanity back to it and you know and, and maybe it sort of changed his perspective on a lot of things when he was getting to talk to people I certainly felt it it, it was lovely and open and, and unique but I don't know what he's been like previously obviously to that you'd know better than I do <laughs> I would say this isn't true of all front men, but this is 100% true of Jesse, that who he is in those conversations in the podcast is who he is. Who he is on stage isn't who he is. That's a version of him that he plays to entertain people, and he does very well. And it's not that it's not authentic or sincere. It's just that it's exaggerated and, you know, it's, it's a performance. Who he is in his heart and in life is who he is on the podcast that we do. And so for him to be in that environment with me, I think was as natural as anything just because he trusted me and he knew that I would not make him look like a fool. He knew that, I mean, I I can say this without arrogance. I knew that he only did it because he had undying faith in my ability to conduct those conversations. And if he had any reservations, then he would have gone in with those reservations and that would have come across in either his nervousness or his, you know, kind of like lack of flow when it came to the conversational, mm. you know, kind of back and forth. But I think just because he, he listened to a bunch of my shit, he knew what I was all about. I knew from the little interactions that we'd had, because there hadn't been many, but they'd been intense. Yeah. Um, I knew that we shared a connection and I knew that we could both just be completely ourselves. And I didn't expect it to be as easy as it's been. And I miss it, to be honest. The reason I've got to go in a minute is um i've got a call with him because we need to discuss the uh future of stoke the fire and when we relaunch the show and what we're going to do with it next um because we would you know we were in a situation where we'd sit down and talk at least once a week sometimes we'd record more than one episode a week and get a bunch you know in the can but we would talk every week without fail at length about everything in life for a very long period of time and then he went on tour and we, we didn't so much and and then we haven't been doing the podcast, so we haven't so much. And we still exchange texts and, like, you know, silly emojis and shit. But, like, I really miss having those really intense, in-depth, you know, dialogues with him every day because they're part of what's made me a better person over the last couple of years. And they're definitely a huge part of what's allowed me to, like, sail the seas of COVID with my sanity intact. Um, and I think I can say, I can't speak for him, but I think I can say that the show has had a little bit of that um, impact and effect on his life as well and again i think we wear that very openly in the show and we make a point of kind of saying like this is just as important for us as it is for any of the guests that we get on or indeed anybody who listens in terms of the therapeutic cathartic qualities of the conversations that we have there as much for us as for anybody else and i think that's why they work is because that we're just you know we're just being us and and trying to share people's stories with whoever wants to listen i would definitely say 
I got that vibe the moment I started talking to yourself and Jesse uh, and and Jason have vouched for this. That when we finished that conversation, I was I was straight on the uh, uh, straight on the phone to Jason. Just like yeah, yeah. he was asking, oh, how did it go? How how was it? Because it'd been the first time I'd, I'd been a guest anywhere like that. Yeah, you know, hundreds of conversations over the years, but the first time being not put on the spot, but being in that position, and I was like, felt like I'd fucking known him for. For 20 years, man, I was like, it was completely natural. And it was so lovely to to have that feeling like rub off of me. Just, you know, I couldn't have been more grateful for that moment. And it's kept me going for a long time, man. It yeah. helped spur me on in the right direction. You know, like I said, I was a lot, I was feeling lost, very lost beforehand, obviously with losing mum and then, and then having the baby and so on. And a lot's happened in between that time. But I always speak so candidly about that moment because I think that's where it changed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I even noticed, sorry to interject there, Matt, but I even noticed like um, when you called me, um, I could tell that you sounded more energized. I could tell that you've, it felt good for you to just speak about that openly um, and just to put it out there, you know, obviously onto a podcast where you have no idea who's listening, uh, where they're from, this, that, and the other, but you were able to just completely talk candidly about everything and have a lovely dialogue and yeah, as you said, you know, you got off the podcast and you were on the, straight on the phone with me and you were like, I can't wait for the episode to come out. I can't wait for you to hear it. But I could hear that you were just revitalized by that conversation that you'd had. And it definitely, uh, I remember noticing there was a definite um, increase. Your your mood improved tenfold. Um, and and yeah, you've obviously, as you said, you've, you've rode that wave ever since and it's it's helped push you through. Yeah, no, I, I would agree, man. It's uh, yeah, so it was a change for me having baby, having a new relationship, and then and then having that um, revitalized attitude. Everything just glued together and worked, and I'm still riding that wave now, and I'm enjoying it. Made me enjoy life a lot more and and love conversation again. Well, happy to help, dude. And you did the right thing. You know, you got inspired by it. That was the catalyst. But then it's up to you to take charge and put that into good use. You know, you can't just live in that space where it's like, oh, I wish I could have this one conversation, you know, again or forever. Uh, And I think that's sometimes where people falter is like, you know, whether it's a relationship or an exchange or a moment or, you know, whatever it is, an experience that's so good and you just you want to get back to that. But it's like, no, you got to take that feeling that you felt from that experience and then apply that to your life and push forward. Uh, and that's obviously what you've been doing. So kudos to you and, and your uh, fly partner in crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to Photoshop myself onto a fly now. Send you're going to have to. You're going to have yeah. to. <laughs> but yeah, gents, absolute pleasure. And um, thank, you, thank, very much, thank yeah. you for the, you know, considerate and thoughtful feedback and, uh, you know, the support and enthusiasm for, for what I do and what me and Jesse do. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy that it's, you know, been of of some form of inspiration for this and, uh, long may your show continue and long may the conversations continue and i'm sure i'll see you both in a field or a venue hopefully in the I not hope so, future. Man. Yeah, i'm sorry. off to see tall tonight oh nice yeah. i'm sure enjoy no no birmingham Ooh. oh birmingham show yeah i'm in bristol which is where i now live so uh, i'm going to get the train to bristol in 35 minutes uh as it's a birmingham sorry in 35 <laughs> minutes stay there with my mate who i'm taking to the gig and then i'm um, back here tomorrow you enjoy it so you've earned it Yes. Thank you very much for coming Thanks on, very man. Much, dude. All right. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Take Cheers, care gents. of yourself, man. Speak to you soon, dude. Take care. See you again. Thank you. See you again, man. Have a bit of Oh, that's uh felt like a full circle moment. That's it. I can, <laughs> I can wrap I can wrap the podcast up. This is that's it. it. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Episode thirteen, it just ends. He, Matt was right, <laughs> we were saying, you know, the thirteen seen as an unlucky number. Well, we're lucky we got to the guest point we wanted to get to. Let's just wrap it up and fucking close it down. Yeah. Done. I'm I'm done. <laughs> well, that was right. a um Again, I, I just mentioned with you obviously getting off the podcast with them, um, you felt energized. Mm. As with most of our podcasts, I've come off that feeling revitalize nice energize it's the matt stocks effect the matt stocks effect man we've got a little taste of life in the stocks and we're hooked <laughs> now it was a really good interview really good bloke isn't he he's a, yeah, he's he's a, a lovely um, a lovely lovely dude like like i said it was it was so candid and open when i first got to talk to him and and obviously alongside jesse but it was nice to just see a more vulnerable side to him yeah you know, i was put on the spot before and asked a a plethora of questions so to be able to sit back and and like i said it was nice to hear you 
lean into conversation more and I got to just take a step back and pause and yeah. get a dialogue and I was like this is fantastic and like you saw I, I got lost for a minute because I was just sitting there listening as if as if I was in the room I was yeah like, oh wow yeah I mean obviously you know I'm having camera issues at the moment but I'm sat intently watching up. both no <laughs> shut up I'm sat watching both of you intently just nodding along you know I, I find I do that um more often than not is I will nod instead of verbally agreeing to something I've always been bad like that I, I remember uh, conversations I used to have with my nan on the phone when I was a child and my mum would have to get the phone and be like he is nodding <laughs> he is agreeing mm-hmm. with what you're saying um but yeah no it's um yeah no that was really good um I feel really uh, yeah energized by that and as you said um and as I mentioned you know the, the more we do this the more uh comfortable I feel uh and the more I'm going to grow into it you know it's, it's obviously Matt mentioned with Jesse you know he wants Jesse to be more open as I imagine you I mean you haven't mentioned it to me but as I imagine you do with with me and I, as I want with myself I want to be able to lead the conversation at times or or even you know as Matt touched on not lead the conversation you know it, it's just a three-way dialogue that seems seamless it's not yeah. it's not necessarily an interview format it's just three people having a conversation you know and and that's um yeah, it's something that certainly we're going to grow towards. And unlike that Muppet on Instagram, you know, we can't hold a conversation. Well, he was he was one hundred percent right. Jamie. Imagine we can't hold a conversation. Imagine it turns <laughs> out that imagine it turns out it's the same bloke that offered. Imagine uh, if Matt stopped. Matt, oh, oh. oh. No, I was thinking maybe it was the bloke <laughs> that offered him uh, to pimp him out. Do you know what? It's very possible. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to draw attention to it, but it's a very seedy situation to be in. <laughs> and it suddenly like slid into our. Oh God! Could you imagine? Oh, God. Could you imagine? I've been listening to Matt's podcast all this time, and you boys sound perfect. Do you know what's worse? <laughs> he sends us that picture of I'll us that I photoshopped uh, the album art, and he's like, "If you can come dressed like that with the hey, afros, look." <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I can I can try and spin an album and I'll come along <laughs> naked. I don't care, mate. I've got no morals. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the things Matt wouldn't. Um, but but no, no, it's very possible. But, you know, overall though, it's just a nice experience to have a, another conversation, especially after having a little bit of a break in between everything else. And I've been super stressed, as I quite rightly said, looking at different jobs and yeah, and and having monetary issues and stuff like that. So I, although I wanted to come on and, and and speak to people and speak to yourself in this format as well, it's been difficult to have the need yeah. or want to do it because I keep thinking absolutely oh, yeah such a shit mood. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to be in the right mindset for this. But again, um, I'm going to mention it again for the hundredth time. You come out of these conversations feeling better than you go into them usually anyway, just naturally. It's verbal meditation. It is, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't put it better myself. Um, That's exactly what it is. Verbal meditation. It just enlightens you and enriches things for you Mm -hmm. as well. And you you, you come away feeling like not only have you learned something about someone, that you know as an acquaintance or or someone you've known for 10 years yeah you just feel cathartic and that's how it should be and that's what i wanted again from this podcast and that's what i got from stoke the fire um so i couldn't be more happy with that really yeah man well i hope matt enjoys his tool gig tonight i'm sure that's going to be jealous i am i'm I'm jealous i can't afford shows (laughs) it made me think obviously a mutual friend of ours is going to see uh tool twice soon Mm. isn't he yeah, he's a big fan. He's a, That's a fan. I think he's seen him six times, seven times. Something like that. I remember seeing his status saying it's going to be my sixth and seventh time of seeing them or something like that. And it's like, bloody hell, man, that's awesome. I think he's also seeing the movie um, uh, band, Tallology. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did see that post as well. Yeah. Oddly Tallology. enough, it, it's funny because we haven't spoken as much recently. Mm-hmm. Um but I might on Saturday I've bagged a day off from work and I might be going to a gig in the same place that that they always see in the tourology go like you know the the, the um, tribute show the day before and I'm seeing a show after both in New Cross Inn. It's just weird how things happen. I was like, oh yeah, I might go New Cross Inn. And he said, yeah, I might go New Cross Inn. And I was like, <laughs> it could have been anywhere. And it was like New Cross uh, Inn, and then we just sat in the same New Cross Inn for an hour. Yeah. New Cross Inn. Wow. You know, 
That's what our next podcast is going to be. Episode 14, New Crossing. New Crossing. It's just going to be that. We can't hold a conversation. We can't hold a conversation. Might make a a little thumbnail that just says New Crossing. Same same format. Same clouds in the background. (laughs) <laughs> that would be enjoyable but what I'm looking forward to next is getting some more guests on we've got some that should have been on that haven't been on that will yep. be on um, um, some that wish to return some that wish to return and and hopefully some new uh, new guests especially from the, the podcasting sort of circle there is an Essex um, we've got the likes that you know Sex with Charlie and Nina and the Hardcore Listing um, and as those might know we, we did reach out to Scroobius Pip, but he isn't, <laughs> he, he isn't guesting right now, which is understandable yeah. because the man has, you know, thousands of hours of conversation in the bag. I imagine he's, he's pretty tired and he's doing a lot of different things with regards to acting and, 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 and a whole different career choice. So I can respect that. It's, um, a, it's a real nice, uh, it, it's something I wasn't expecting when we started this podcast is, I mean, obviously when you talk to cool people, um, you know the Stu Whiffins, Matt Stocks, you know people that are already in the podcasting world. Um, you you kind of gain accidental traction within their podcast circles. Yeah. Um, you know, and w- like you mentioned, you know, Sex with Charlie and Nina, the Mama Mama Pod, um, Insane in the Membrane with Rich Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, w- we were we started getting followers like that, and it it just felt like uh, like a hand just came out from the uh, from the echelons of the podcasting world and was Maradona. Like, yeah 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 it came out hand of hand of god um no it was just nice it was it was kind of like you know welcome to the party let's see what you've got sort of thing and um it's nice because th- then these people we can reach out to and say hey do you, you know want, want to come on you know obviously i imagine we're going to have rich wilson on at some point you know, and, and people like that, and it'll be, you know, be nice. I just want to interject. Oh, yeah. It's odd, it's odd that you said there was this, like, hand from the echelon. You know, the hand, just it's given us a chance to do something. It's so bizarrely odd that you say that. I was shopping in Tesco, <laughs> and, and I was thinking about, um, this is a couple of nights prior to this being... Why do I think that. this is going to be a sex toy story? It's, it, I, there's definitely no lube involved. <laughs> I went in dry. Um, I was, no, I was picturing some sort of weird no, no. fisting dildo. I don't know. No, it's, it's <laughs> rubber cocks aside. Yeah. I was walking around in Tesco, I was just picking up some beers and doing some other things because obviously that's what my diet consists of. Um, and I thought to myself, like, so we're so lucky. Like, Matt, there's, there's all these different stories and all these different people that Soap the Fire could have had on. And they chose me to come on. Not that yeah. it makes me special anyway, but what I said obviously touched a, um, a, a nerve somewhere for, for Jesse and Matt, and they felt that they wanted to explore that. And I, and I said to myself as I was walking around, put my headphones in and picking up my, my little tinnies, and I was like, it's like a hand of God or a hand of fate just comes out and gives you a fucking opportunity. And mm-hmm. then I, was, I wanted to interject and say that to Matt on this podcast, and the fact that you brought it up there was just like... Now I know that those feelings that that I felt while I was uh, perusing Tesco's wares was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's some nice things are just uh, I, weirdly, I guess, meant to be. I don't, I don't know. You know, just cosmic. Some, some yeah, kismet. You know, cosmic fucking divine intervention. Who knows? You know, it's all just chance, isn't it? But sometimes the chance pays off. So. It's very true. It's nice, you know. Just got to make the most of it. I, I was going to say more. to Matt um, when he was talking himself about obviously, you know, he's had his ups and downs and struggles and this, that, and the other. And I saw something I couldn't remember the exact quote, so I decided not to say it. But I saw something the other day that was along the lines of the meaning of life is me. You know, someone talking about themselves. It's like. You only you're alive you experience your own life through you know through yourself through your own vessel and it's like that is the meaning of life to live to you know what i mean it's like you're gonna have your ups and downs but at the end of the day you're alive you know make the most of it you know keep pushing oh. keep striving keep reaching keep you know keep trying to better yourself keep trying to 
I think personally. an imprint on those around you, you know, and you know, you guys can't hold a conversation. Well, with that in mind, <laughs> it's time to say goodbye. Um, Should we um, but... touch on um, um, what, what what beverage you've been drinking recently, other than your tinnies from Tesco? Um, I'm an alcoholic, Joe. Um, no, but we we do have um, wonderful sponsors in Desco Coffee. Uh, the coffee is delicious. I'm running out, so yeah, you know, Mark, Mark, sorts Mark. out, sorts out. Come on. Um, <laughs> but no, on a serious note, you can grab yourself some over at the website. There's still the podcast discount code as well, which they graciously yes. still give discount us and allow us to Check out podcast. Um, yeah. I do. I'm not 100 percent sure if you can use the code more than once. I did have a friend uh, say to me that we're ordering more co- more coffee. Mm-hmm. Like the missus loves it, and he and he drinks it himself most mornings. Um, he was like, "Does the code still work?" I'm just like, oh, "I don't actually know." Um, and then obviously he paid for it. He was like, "I'm not sure the code did work, but regardless, regard even without the ten percent off, it's fucking great value." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it's know what I mean? It's, it's really, value. especially if you subscribe, you, you get it for even cheaper. And oh my goodness, delicious, delicious. Well, on the note of delicious coffee and what you were saying about you know life being this fucking like great wandering path that you have to take and lead you in all different avenues. Let's end this on the everlasting immortal words of Fred Durst. Life's just a lesson. You'll learn it when you're through. There you go. I limped the biscuit. Oh, I thought you right were just... End. I thought you were going to be, like, introducing the chocolate starfish and then just pulled your ass apart. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose your words were a little bit more inspirational. <laughs> you know, DJ Lethal... Bring it on. Bring it on. (laughs) Take it easy, guys. We'll see you again. Take care. See you in episode 14. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.